Alright, how's everybody doing? Everybody good? Yeah. Y'all enjoying this so far? Oh yeah. Really? How did everybody sleep last night? Bad. I did not sleep with them. Did y'all sleep with hammocks? Mm-hmm. He slept in his I slept in the sleeping bag and hammocks. I started out in a hammock. Yeah, I slept, I slept it's like I slept on the rocks. I'm just being honest. It wasn't really that cold, it was just a little uncomfortable. Um, so that's awesome. I'm glad that you guys are here. My wife was supposed to be teaching me. But her grandmother passed away last week, so she had to take a week off for that. So because of that, she couldn't get off her job and come here. So here we go. Um, but I, I love talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. See if everyone sits down. Ready? Okay, awesome. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, we ask that you just move in this, this session right now, Lord, and you just begin to touch us, and you begin to soften our hearts and open our ears. Lord Jesus, that we can hear your word, and we can hear about your love, and hear about your grace, and everything that we do, God. Holy Spirit, just move over us this whole weekend. Be with us in everything that we do. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so, coffee's good, y'all. Coffee's my love language. So, really quick, we're going to jump to uh, John chapter 20. It's not on the old handout. So if you have your Bible, go to John chapter 20. Uh, and as you're flipping there, um, I want someone to tell me in their words what they what they think the Holy Spirit, who they think the Holy Spirit is, and what they think the Holy Spirit is. Not everybody talk at once. Go. Okay, Shauna, who do you think the Holy Spirit is? Spirit has been around since the beginning. In, Ge- in Genesis chapter 1, verse 25 and 26, it simply says, that God says, Let us make man in our image. Us being the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Okay? So he's always been there. And he is a, a you know, he's a person. Okay. So now we jump forward to John chapter 20, verse 21. It says, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even as I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. They are forgiven. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Um, Jesus is talking to the disciples here. He literally just breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. How many people understand that when you accept Jesus into your heart and you have salvation, God gives you a new heart and He breathed the Holy Spirit into you. So everyone that's ever received the Holy Spirit or received salvation has a Holy Spirit who lives in you. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the gifts of the Spirit. It's the spirits are you know joy, love, peace, and all the other ones. Okay? That's the one that gives us discernment. That's the one that gives us the things that we need to know. Uh, that's the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, he lives inside of us. Now, saying that, what we're going to talk about is the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the key to walking out your Christian walk and doing things miraculously. Okay? 
So if you want to go to your handout, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power. Power is in bold there. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Um, chapter 1 of Acts is the ascension into heaven from Jesus and him telling them about what's going to happen next. Uh, and it's about how. And that's that's one that's so bold. Okay, so the fulfillment. Um, before, well, we'll read it first. Who wants to read Acts 2, 1 through 4? When the day of Pentecost had finally come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues, as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so really quick, one accord. Okay, guys, Pentecost, how many people know that Easter is Passover? Okay. How many days after Easter is Pentecost? Does anyone know? 21. Maybe. Are you confident in that 21? Okay. Anybody else? 21-ish. 50. Okay. So, from if you count from Easter, which was this past Sunday, right? So if you count from Easter, you count 50 days, that is Pentecost, okay? Uh, Pentecost was a, a meal that the Jews had way back in the day when uh, they left Egypt, okay? They had Pentecost, but um, Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit fell. That's what it is for us, okay? So it's 50 days after. So Jesus walked the earth 40 days after, his, after he was rose from the dead. And he walked and he showed himself to disciples, showed himself to other people, you know, talked to them. And then he ascended into heaven. So then all these people, 120 men and women, they gathered together in one accord. And one accord means they all had the same mindset and they had the same thing. And they locked themselves in a room for 10 days. And they said, we're going to pray until the promise comes, until the Holy Spirit comes. We are in one accord right now. We all come this weekend with one mindset and one thing. that We're going to pray and we're going to do things in the Lord. And we're all in one accord. So imagine all of us stuck in a room, this room, locking the doors and saying, we're not leaving until God shows up and the Holy Spirit comes. This is what was going on at that point. Okay? So as they were praying, okay, it says right there, then there appeared to them divided tongues as fire. One sat on each of them. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues that the Spirit gave them utterance. So imagine you and your core group or your inner core group and you're in a dorm room. And you're just like, you know what, we're going to pray until God does something amazing. And you lock yourself in the dorms, and then the mighty rushing wind blows, and like, comes into the room. Okay? And the tongues begin to set. On, this is what happened in the, in the upper room. Um, all right, so 32, uh, Acts 2, 32, and 33. Then this Jesus God has raised up, uh, which all we are witnesses, therefore be exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father... The promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which is now see and hear. This is just continue talking about what happened. They all were witnesses to Jesus because he was just there 50 days ago. And they said, we're going to stay here until we get the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what happened. Okay, so the result of them all getting up in the uh, witness. Okay, so somebody read Acts 2, 42 through 47. 
And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and buy them among all, as anyone did need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Okay. So just a couple things in that little thing. They're talking about community. How many have ever heard your Kai Alpha leader talk about community? Okay. Community is a big thing. And why is community so big? Is because God has been in community since the beginning. Like I said in Genesis, let us make man in our image. God has always been in community with his Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's always been community. So the church, and the, the church that we know today, started out as community. They said, you know what? We're not just going to live together, but we're going to do things for each other. If you need something, you let me know. And I'm not going to charge you anything. I'm just going to give it to you because I love you because we have community. And this is what we try to model in Kai Alpha because that's so important. The church today, and when I say the church, I mean like Sunday morning, Wednesday churches. There's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes churches don't do community well. And there's nothing against that. They just don't understand the concept. But one of the cool things about Kai Alpha and, and ministries like this is we do community really good. You know, we hang out, we do all that stuff. So community is important. And because they had community, they were all in one accord. And it says right there that they came to the temple every day and they had one mindset. And that mindset was to reach the people. God increased their numbers. So as a Kai Alpha and you're at your local campus, if you are in one accord with your campus fashion, you say, you know what, we're going to reach this campus no matter what. God will grow that you're Kai Alpha because you have the mindset of God. Okay? So who is a promise for? Somebody read Acts 2, 37 through 39. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the, to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So who's the promise for? Everybody. Okay? Everybody that calls himself a Christian, the promise of the Holy Spirit is there for them. And we're about to get into who can receive, what you must do to receive the Holy Spirit. Alright, so somebody go Acts 19, 1-6. And it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized you with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Alright, so somebody read Acts 10, 44 and 46. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word, and those of the cir- circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came to Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit 
had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speaking with tongues and magnifying God. <coughs> Salvation is not only corrupted to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The disciples knew that the Holy Spirit had been poured out to the Gentiles too, because they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit baptism. So what's the only prerequisite to receive the Holy Spirit? Salvation. That is it. That's all you have to do is have Jesus in your heart and believe. Um, you know, some people it happens very quick. Uh, I was seven months old in my Christian walk when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, my wife was 15 years in her Christian walk before she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So there's no like timeline. We both were on the same level because we both believed in Jesus. So if you have Jesus in your heart, it is something that you can give, and it is a gift given from the good, good Father. Um, and that kind of takes us into this next part. Who wants to read Luke 9 through 13? So I say to you, ask it, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, Will he get him a stone? Or, or if he asks for a fish, will he get him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay, so I wasn't raised. Uh, I have my, my dad's still alive, and he's still married to my mom, and they've been married for like 30 years. But... Uh, I was raised by a very hard man, which was my father. Um, My dad has never told me he loved me. I know he loves me, but he's never said those words to me. And that didn't mean that he didn't love me. That's just not the way he was raised. But if I asked my father for something, my earthly father, I said, Dad, I need a sandwich. He would always give me a sandwich. It says at the end of that verse right there, it says, even you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit for those who ask. Uh, when I became a Christian and I met the good, good Father, my de- you know, my Heavenly Father, He loves me unconditionally. And I know that. And anything I've ever asked for, I've gotten. Uh, and that's not because I use Him like, oh, I need this, I need a new coat, I need it. You know, I asked the Holy Spirit, He gave me the Holy Spirit. If you ask God for bread, He's not going to give you a stone. And that's what the scripture is talking about. So receiving the Holy Spirit is just simply asking. And it's not just saying, Lord, give it to me. You have to truly mean it. Because I know there's a lot of people that you're going to run into that's going to say, well, I've asked the Holy Spirit never got it. Well, have they really like in their heart asked? Because you can say something out of your mouth and not believe it in your heart. Does that make sense? So for me, when I accepted the Holy Spirit, I, was, I meant it. Like I needed more of God in my life. <clears throat> I asked and he gave it to me. Okay, so before Jesus began his earthly ministry, he get, he was given a spirit which anointed him for ministry. Okay. So Matthew 3, 13 and 16. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered to him, Permit me to do to be so now. For thus it is fitting for you to fulfill all righteousness. For us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when Jesus was baptized, Jesus came up immediately 
from the water, and behold, the heavens opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, and enlightened upon him. Okay, so I want you guys to kind of put yourself in that situation. You are standing on the shore, and you're like, okay, I'm about to get baptized by this guy who is a crazy man who's wearing camel fur and eating locusts and has dreadlocks. Kind of looks like Corey Perry, but... Uh, okay, so he's standing out there, and this other guy just walks up, and you kind of recognize him, but you don't really know why. But you know he's important because John the Baptist is is having a conversation with him that's it's pretty powerful conversation. So he baptizes Jesus. Jesus comes up out of the water. The the skies open up, and God says, "This is my beloved Son," which is in the other Gospels. It's not right here. And then a dove comes out and sits on his shoulder. Now put yourself in that spot. What would you do? I would Snapchat that so fast. I'd be like, uh, but that's just me. So this is what the people on the Jordan River said. And this all happened so that they could understand who Jesus was. Jesus didn't do any miracles before this very moment in, in time. He walked the earth for 30 years at this point. But from that, the Holy Spirit anointed him and gave him the power to do the things that happened. You guys got to understand that Jesus was God. Jesus is God. But Jesus said, I'm going to take my divinity, my godness, and I'm going to sit at the side and I'm going to come to earth and fulfill what, what man should have did. Man was, he was going to be the new Adam because the old Adam sinned and didn't fulfill the promise of what man should have But Jesus did and he, he kept all the laws, the 613 laws and 10 commandments. Jesus was the only person in the world that's ever done that. And he said, I'm going to keep these laws and I'm going to fulfill what man did. And because of this, Jesus was anointed and by the Holy Spirit. So he received power from the Holy Spirit to do the things that he did for the next three and a half years of his ministry. So that's just a really cool uh, story about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. All right. So this next is a lot. It is 8 through 17. So one person can read it if they want, or y'all can split it up. However, y'all want to do it. If someone wants to read it, just start reading Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them, and the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voices came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was a great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon. Yeah. Who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And he was baptized, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed to see the miracles and signs which were done. The cool thing about this story is Simon was basically a sorcerer. And because what Philip was anointed by the Holy Spirit, he seen the things that Philip that God was doing through Philip, and he was like, I don't know what that guy has, but I want it. And I want to believe and get what he has. Um as you do your ministry, as you guys do ministries in Kai, with Kai Alpha on your campus, and you know, being a small group leader or whatever you're going to be when you go out to your campus is a ministry. Don't think it's not a ministry. It is a ministry. Uh, if you're a core group leader, you understand that your core group is very important. 
your core group listens to you. Um, that's a ministry. But when you start flowing in the Spirit and you let the power of the Holy Spirit get on you and you start doing it, people are going to recognize that. And they're going to say, I don't know what they have, but I want more of it. And this is what happened here. How many of you guys have ever been physically healed? Okay. All right. Tell you a quick story. Uh, I was about seven months into my Christian walk. Uh, I went to a conference called the Ford Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. And it's about ten to 12,000 young people. And we were, and I had, and I've been dealing with, up to this point, I've been dealing with something called vertigo. And what vertigo is, it messes up your equilibrium. I was having to take medicines. You know, I just, I wasn't able to drive any of this. So I'm sitting in the back of this conference. And the guy gets up there and he's like, I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me that someone is having issues with their balance. He says, I don't know what the issue is. He said, but I know that God wants to heal you. He says, so if, uh, if that's you, he said, I want you to take your left hand. I want you to touch your ear. He says, I'm going to pray over you. And he says, I want you to agree in prayer with me. And he says, then when you pull your hand away, you're going to feel a pop and you're going to be healed. So he says that, and I know he's talking to me because, and I don't know who else he's talking to. Maybe been multiple people. And this guy didn't know me. It was, you know, this guy was up here. It was actually Reggie Dabbs. I don't know if y'all know the name Reggie Dabbs. It was Reggie Dabbs. I don't know Reggie Dabbs. Uh, he's up here. I'm way back here. And he starts up. And you got to understand, I'm seven months into my Christian walk. So I've read some of the stuff in the Bible at this point, but I wasn't like, I don't know. But I was kind of, you know, this, but not disbelieving, but my faith wasn't fully there yet. But God still used, used this situation. So I put my hand on my ear and I prayed and Reggie prayed. And I was like, okay, I agree with my group. As soon as my hand left my side of my head, boom, I felt a pop. And everything's been perfect since then. And when I did, I looked at my hands. I'm like, dude, what was it? I just start crying. And the tears rolled down. I started starting. And, and so that was the first time that I was ever physically healed. So I said all that to say this, that these are the things that can happen today with the power of the Holy Spirit. I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with, a young, with an older gentleman who simply said this, these words to me. He said, I do not believe that miracles still happen today. I believe they died with the prophets when the last prophet died, which was probably John. He said, I don't believe this. Because he was an older gentleman, I didn't want to sit there and get this big theological debate with him. But I thought to myself, okay, I was like, why does he think that? And he thinks that because he doesn't understand what the Holy Spirit can do. The Holy Spirit can give us power so that we can see miracles and we can see some cool things. Not for our glory, but for the glory of God, ultimately. So imagine if you're walking across campus and you see a blind person. The Holy Spirit says, go pray for him about the hill. You've got that boldness and you go up and you start laying your hands on them, you start praying for them and their eyes open. And they see for the first time. Is that not cool? That's something that I pray over my campus every time I'm home. Me and my wife, we walk our campus. We pray in the Spirit. We're like, Lord, let this not just be a campus about Alpha, but let this be a campus of miracles. Let this be a campus of just amazing things. Because we want to see that. Uh, there was a movie that just came out a couple years ago called Holy Ghost. Uh, it's a documentary film about the Holy Spirit. And in one of the one of the segments of it, they were at a uh, concert praying for people, a secular concert, praying for people. And this guy's like, you know what? He's like, I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. And Todd White, I don't know if you know who Todd White is, 
But Todd White's the evangelist, and he's like, oh, okay. He says, I used to be an atheist. He tells him his testimony. And he's sitting there, and he's talking to the guy, and he looks at the guy, and he says, you know what? He says, you got back problems, don't you? And the guy's like, yeah, my back's a little tweaked up. He's like, okay. He's like, well, he says, uh, God wants to heal you. He's like, I don't believe in God. He said, well, just sit down. He said, go to as far disbelief as you want. He said, but God loves you so much, and the Holy Spirit's going to heal you. The guy's like, whatever. He said, no, no, just do it. He said, you don't have to believe in anything. He said, I just want to show you how much God loves you. So he sits down, he picks up his legs. He's holding his legs, and, and his legs are like this. And the camera comes over top of Todd's shoulder, and you can see that his legs are clearly off. So he's sitting there, and he's holding them, and Todd just says a simple prayer. God, show him your love. Holy Spirit, I ask that you begin to move on him, and you begin to, you heal him. And you can literally see his leg on the field go, whoop. It goes right out. It was the coolest thing ever I've seen. I was like, what? And I rewinded it twice because I wanted to make sure I seen it. But it, it doesn't happen. And, you know, so God and the Holy Spirit can give you the power to do that. And Todd didn't do that to show to himself. He did that to glorify God. And God wants to manifest his power amongst your campuses. Uh, almost every campus, but I think every campus is represented here. Okay, so every campus is represented, and God wants to do remarkable things on those campuses. He wants to do those signs and wonders. And that's the prayer, and this is what the Holy Spirit can give you. This is the power that He can give you. Okay, so uh, this right here, what we just read, is not broke up, broke up in Scripture, but down here it says, Effective Ministries in uh, Samaria. People came to know the Lord, verses 5 and 6 and verse 12. Signs and wonders are demonstrated in verses 6 and 13. And deliverance is healing in verse 7. So, uh, you know, in your quiet time, in your prayer time, go back and read this and then look at these scriptures in your Bible and you can see where those things are happening. Okay, Samaria received the word, but still sent Peter and John to pray that, the, that they would receive the Holy Spirit. Acts 14, 17. Now, when the apostles who were in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word, of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down and prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit in the name of the Lord Jesus, and they laid hands on them and received the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a free gift. Peter and John did not pray that God would give them the Holy Spirit, but they would receive the Holy Spirit. We are to pray the same. We do not beg God for something that He's already given us. Acts two one through four. Okay, that's really important. Okay, if I say, Sean, I got a cup for you, and this is your cup, but you're going to have to beg me for it. And you can say, I want the cup, I want the cup. And I say, well, it's not time for the cup, but here's the cup. Okay, that's when somebody begging for something. Or you can do what God did, and I say, Sean, here's a cup right here. You take it at any point when you're ready. That's the cup that you need right there. You take it whenever you get ready and you do it. This is what the Holy Spirit is. God doesn't hold the Holy Spirit and say, well, you know, you've got to ask me for it. He's already given it to us. It's up to us to receive that. Jesus died on the cross. When he died on the cross, we've, we've got all the power that the Holy Spirit's given us. Jesus didn't die on the cross to get us to heaven. He died on the cross to get heaven inside of us. That's simple. Okay, so when he died on the cross to get heaven inside of us, he says, here is the promise. Here's what's coming. And it's up to us to ask for it. The Holy Spirit would have never fell on the 120 if they didn't go up in the room and they said, we're going to stay here and we're going to pray for it and we're going to ask for it. That had to happen. 
Just like the Holy Spirit falls on our lives, we have to go in and say, you know what, we want this, and this is this is where we want. So just like with the cup, it's there. It's just we have to reach out, we have to take it. Okay. Simon the Sorcerer. His actions demonstrated that there were visible experiences that took place in Samaria as a result of the ministry of Peter and John. No one would offer money for this intangible power. Somebody read Acts 8, 18 and 20. When Simon saw that in the lane of hand, the Holy Spirit received. He offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money, your money perished with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You know, you can't purchase anything God's given you because He's already given it to you. Jesus died on the cross. We've already gotten everything we need. You didn't have to go in and pay somebody to lead you to Christ. He's already done it. God's already died on the cross for us. So everything that happens from everything comes from the cross. That's what people some people don't understand. It all comes from the cross. And what Jesus did on the cross is the most important thing. And that is a gift that's there, just like the Holy Spirit. And we have to accept all that. Okay. Paul's infilling before his ministry. Somebody read that. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Taurus. For behold, behold, he's praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, so he may receive his sight. Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let me give you a little background if you don't know. Paul was Saul. Saul was the one who overseen Stephen's murder of stoning. Stephen was one of the twelve disciples. Saul was a terrorist for Christians. His whole mission was to persecute Christians. He was on his way to Damascus to serve warrants, to be to put people in jail or kill them because they said they were Christians. Uh, Saul was not just a persecutor of Christians; he was also the chief, one of the chief Pharisees. He was one of the. He was probably rich. He was probably from a well family. This was a guy who was pretty, you know, pretty well up there. And on his way to Damascus, he had an encounter with grace. He had an encounter with Jesus. Right there, boom. And Jesus knocked him off his donkey, or his horse, whatever, and he blinded him, and he sent him to this house on the street called Straight, which is not a very good street name. Oh, that's not very smart of them, but whatever. Okay, so, so, and then he tells Ananias, he says, go pray for him. Now, the part that's not in here is that Ananias was actually kind of scared of Paul, because Paul was a, you know, he was persecuting Christians. So just like, you know, you're walking across campus and say there's somebody on campus that you had run-ins with that you're not, that you're not, that you're intimidated from. For whatever reason, you know, you had a run-in with them or whatever. And maybe the Holy Spirit lights them up and says, you know what, you need to talk to them. Have the boldness Ananias had to do to do that because you don't know where that person's been. He, Ananias had no idea what Saul had been through at this point. He just knew Saul was there, go pray for him. Ananias was scared, but he still did it because he had, a, he had to be obedient to the Father. So sometimes God might tell you to go pray for this person, and you've had to run in with this person, but you've got to have that boldness to do it. And that is a key thing, is about boldness. Um, earlier in chapter 
Acts chapter 2, after Peter receives the power of the Holy Spirit, he preaches the greatest sermon in biblical history, and 3,000 people got saved. Okay? Well, not the greatest, but one of the greatest. Um, but you guys have to understand, 50 days prior to this, Peter was denying who Jesus was. Okay? And when people come and say, do you know Jesus? He's like, no, I don't know Jesus. So what happened in those 50 days is he got boldness from the Holy Spirit. Uh, some people are naturally bold people. I'm a naturally bold person. My wife is not. Uh, she's, you know, she's awesome, but she's, she's not bold. But because I've seen what God's done with her in these past few months, uh, you know, she received the Holy Spirit in January. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. I've seen her become very bold in what she does. I've seen her do things that, I, you know, I knew that she would do and could do, but it was the boldness that, that wasn't birthed in her yet. And so I, I, I say that to say, I want you guys to pray for boldness from the Holy Spirit, okay? Because you guys can reach people that us campus leaders and pastors cannot reach. I cannot go reach a 19-year-old girl without going to jail, okay? That's just the reality, all right? So I can't do that. But that's why God gives us student leaders that can go in, go into one rooms and go in stuff. And I know how you guys can reach people I can't. But so have that boldness. Don't be afraid to step out in faith because when you step out in faith, God always has your back, I promise you, okay? You keep your eyes on Jesus and he'll take care of you, all right? So, biblical reasons to pray for the Spirit. Um, I love these scriptures because the book of Jude melts my face every time I read it. It is one of the, I love the book of Jude. Okay, so, and this is in several Romans chapter 8, I just don't know the Bible. But, uh, Jude chapter 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most high faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 14, 4. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays. For, but my understanding is unfruitful. Uh, Paul reveals the place of tongues in his own life, in his own personal life. Praying in tongues and is praying in the spirit instead of the intellect. Who knows what that means? When I speak... My brain is telling my mouth what to do. I'm not, just as I said that, I'm, I'm thinking those thoughts. But when you pray in tongues and you pray in the Spirit, your brain is not telling your mouth to do anything. You learn to shut it off. And you shut your brain off and you let the Holy Spirit speak through you. Uh, none of you guys, outside of me and Jackie, that are at this table are married. So you don't understand what it means to see your wife receive the Holy Spirit for the first time. She was a Christian from the age of 16 till, you know, she's still a Christian. So, yeah, I was going to say, she's still, <laughs> she's still a Christian, y'all. <laughs> she received, you know, she received salvation at 16. And she went 14, 15 years. Uh, and she had the Holy Spirit in her. She had the fruits of the Spirit. She had wisdom. She had, you know, discernment and all that stuff. But she just didn't have... This part, this part of the Holy Spirit, she didn't have the power. She never spoke in tongues. So this past January, we had a prayer retreat, and I had the uh, the privilege of watching my wife, wife receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit for the first time, and it is glorious. And because she got into a room, and she says, "I'm 
I'm one accord with the people that was here. And it's me, Chuck, Lori, and Dick Schroeder. And she said, I'm in one accord with you guys, and I want more of God. And she said, I'm not leaving this room until this happens. And we did. And after about 45 minutes of praying, boom, it happened. Um, so I said all that to say this. Right after she received the Holy Spirit, Chuck and Dick and Lori and me, we all had a conversation. We said, this is, a, this is something you have to work out. This is something that you have to do on a constant basis so you can develop that language. Just like if you go work out in the gym and say, well, I want 23-inch biceps. You have to go work out for that. You can't just want it and just pop it. No, you have to work that muscle out. So days after this, after she received the Holy Spirit, I remember waking up and she was, she'd be sitting on the couch and I could hear her in there praying in tongues. And I was like, yes, awesome. Of course, I'd cry because I'm a big cry baby. And then I'd go in there and I'd pray with her. Uh, but she had to work this whole thing out. And she had to learn to shut it off, shut her brain off. And that's what that means, it's working out. Some people, which all of us that have been speaking in tongues for a while, or, you know, having that power, I can shut it off and just go. Everyone can because it's a development thing that we have to do. So it's something that you have to work out. This is what this is talking about, turning your brain off and not thinking anything and letting the Holy Spirit talk. Okay, this next scripture, it, if y'all want to, if y'all go, if y'all haven't read Romans chapter eight, man, that'll mess you up. Romans six, seven, and eight. But eight, we're really. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Man, that's such a bold. That's in boldness right there because that is a powerful scripture. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now He who searches the heart knows what. The mind of the Spirit is because He makes intercessory for the saints according to the will of God. You guys have to understand that the Holy Spirit loves you just as much as the Father does and just as much as Jesus does. And He prays for you. He has your back. And He helps us with your weaknesses. How many people have weaknesses that the Holy Spirit helps with? We all do, okay? Uh, that is something that happens. And He's there for us and He helps us through everything. And He absolutely is in love with you. And never forget that I, I I heard this said to me once, and this made the best sense when we were talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. That if we are a wall socket, okay, we're the wall socket. Okay, the, the plug that goes into the said wall socket is Jesus. The cord, actually, reverse that. If we're the lamp, sorry. With a lamp. The cord coming out of the lamp is Jesus. Okay? He plugs into the wall. The wall gives us, the electricity comes from through the cord. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? You can do that any way that makes sense to you. But the electricity that, that powering these lights, if that's the lamp, the light, the power that comes through that so is the, the source. Get, the Holy Spirit is the source. I mean, yeah. the, the electricity comes out of the The Holy Spirit Spirit is the source of our power. We have to connect to that. And that connection is so important. Guys, you want to see your campus changed for for God? The key that you have to do is have the power of the Holy Spirit. Can God change your campus without the power? Yes. But why, why would you want to do that? He wants to change the campus with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's simple. That is the simplest thing. Um, 
I never forget what God has done for me in my life since, you know, I've seen some crazy things, uh, God do some miracles, but none of that could happen if I didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's so important. Um, Jesus absolutely is in love, love with you guys. And he's in love with your campus and he's in love with people on your campus. I know that if I asked you, you could probably sit here and name two or three people on your campus right now that you know need to know the love of Jesus Christ. It's just that simple. And God wants to do things in their lives and God wants to use you guys to do that. But you have to be the conductor. You have to be the vehicle for the Holy Spirit to get there. Does that make sense? Um, this last part is seven steps to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So what I want you to do is that we're going to read over these kind of quickly, but go back in your personal time. Go back and read these scriptures and talk and talk to your campus leaders about these scriptures. Um, we're going to read over these and I'm going to ask you guys a question. Understand and believe that the gift of baptism in the Holy Spirit has already been given. Acts 1, 4, and 5. Acts 2, 1, and 4. Salvation is the only prerequisite. And is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? If you do not have to be a certain spiritual leader, you receive the gift. Now, I know that last year at this leadership retreat, someone received, bat- or someone received salvation for the first time. So I said that to say this. Maybe not everybody here is, believes in God. Maybe you're here because... Your campus pastor just said, hey, you want to come? And you're just like, yeah, sure. Okay? But if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, and you and he doesn't live inside you, and you want to know, this is the perfect situation to do that in. Okay? Uh, just like in any situation, uh, you know, I received salvation in a church service. But I've, you know, some people receive salvation sitting on the park bench, you know. So if you don't know who Christ is, we can handle that. That's an easy one. Okay? Uh, you don't have to be a certain spiritual level to receive the gift. Just like I was telling the story about me and my wife. I was seven months into my Christian walk when I received the power of the Holy Spirit. My wife was 15 years when she did. So it's that that difference there. Okay, It, it doesn't matter. Having been baptized with the Holy Spirit is not a badge of approval. Sin in a person's life is not a hindrance. That's an important one because, you know, you look at the uh, Simon. Or uh, not Simon. Isn't Saul. Saul's a good one. Uh, yeah, this time. He was a warlock. He was a, you know, he still had sin going on in his life. But he believed, and, you know, we all have sin in our life and everything, everything that we do. Uh, Acts 19, 1 through 6. You have, res- you, have you received since you believe? Paul asked the people in Ephesus. In Acts 10, 44 and 46. In Cornelius' household, we read those scriptures. Uh, laying on the hands of a person. Laying hands on a person, receiving, although not necessary for one to receive this gift. This is a big one because there are, there are some people that think you have to, someone has to put hands on you to receive the Holy Spirit. It's not true. In our last group, Matt was telling us that he was in an algebra class when he received the passage of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> My wife was in a room and she was sitting on the chair over here and no one was touching her. And she received it. Now, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was in an altar call service. Pastor laid his hands on me. So, yes, you can put your hands on somebody, but then again, you don't have to. Um, sometimes you're going to run into people that want you to pray with them with your, you know, putting your hands on them. 
I'll give you an example. There's a woman in my church who needed healing for whatever reason. I happen to be the one to pray for her. She got healed. She thinks she can only get healed if Des prays for her. She will call me up. I need healing. Pray for me. It is nothing that I've done, but that's just her thought process that this is the only person that can pray healing over me. That's not true. And, you know, it's, it, but some people are going to be like that. And if they're like that, that's fine. But if you are a female and that person is a guy, you better find another guy to pray with you and vice versa. If you are a male and a female is like, I need you to lay hands on me, you better find another female that's there, okay? Your campus pastor should have already told you that, but you know, whatever. Uh, so, but, so some people want that, that contact and that's fine, but you don't have to have it. Um, and it says right there, Acts 8, 17, example of Peter John. Laying on the hands becomes a point of contact with the receiver. Some people want that actual physical contact. Expect yourself or the person to pray that you're praying for to speak in tongues. If you're going to pray for someone to speak in the evidence of speaking in tongues, you better go in and think, somebody's about to speak in tongues right here. Because if you don't, then you're just, you're just talking to them. You're not really, you know, you're not doing nothing. If I'm going to pray for Nick to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, either I'm going to be speaking in tongues or he's about to, one or two about to happen. That's just the truth of it. Um, Acts 2, 1 through 4, Acts 19, 1 through 16, evidence like laughter when something is funny. If you've been around Christians long enough, you've seen someone have the spirit of laughter. It is one of the funniest things you've ever seen. They'll just start laughing randomly, crying. It's actually pretty fun to watch, but there's other ones. Yeah. Right. Do not be afraid of receiving, receiving something face, false or fake. Luke 11 to 11, 13. Um, if you truly want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Whatever comes out of your mouth from that point on is going to be the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be fake because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. This happened to my wife. This happened to me. This happens to everyone that's ever seen the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The moment you walk away from it, the devil says, hey, that was fake. Yeah, you didn't do that. You just started talking. And then it happens. When he does that, you say, you know what? Shut up your life. Get behind me. Okay? Uh, receiving the Holy Spirit and speak the language that he gives you. So whatever comes out of your mouth, that's your prayer language. I heard someone say one time, nobody's prayer language is exactly the same. Some people are very loud. Some people are very quiet. Some people are in the middle. It's your prayer language. It's a personal prayer language between you and God. Okay. Find a quiet atmosphere or one conductive receiving. No confusion allowed should be around for the person you're praying with. Um, if you've been around church ministry long, you've seen some crazy stuff. Uh, there's some, there's some people that get a little nuts. Uh, there's an actual YouTube video where a guy just jumps into a war for no reason. He's really just running and jumping back there. So I don't understand that, but it happens. Okay? Everyone receives the Holy Spirit at different times. Like I said, my wife, super quiet. No one was touching her. It wasn't allowed. Mine was in an altar call. It was in a Pentecostal church. So there was some kind of hooping and hollering going on. But it was me and God, you know. So it's everyone different. Like I said, Matt said he was sitting in the aisle class and just started speaking tongues, which is a really cool story. I didn't even tell me that whole story. Because I kind of I heard the story of uh, some guy that was riding home on his bicycle from prayer uh, trying to get the Holy Spirit on his feet. And he was just riding his bike. And then he started praying on his bike and received the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Just cycling home. Yeah. So wherever God wants to drop it on you at, you better be ready because he's going to drop it like a top. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
just get ready. Uh, and it could be, and I've heard stories of people waking up in the middle of the night and just boom, they're just talking in tongues for no reason. Uh, you know, they're, they're speaking in their prayer language and they, they were dead asleep, but they, man, they were thinking about it or whatever. So uh, it can happen. It might happen while you're eating lunch today, which would be awesome if that happened. Uh, so it, looking into this a little bit more, I'm out. These are scriptures that you can go to uh, really quick and then we're going to be done. How many sitting at this table have received baptism of the Holy Spirit? Okay. Well, the ones that have not, that is fine. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that you have but if you want to, if you want to, if you want to go to that extra step, here are the, look at these verses. Look over, go back to your campuses. Talk to your campus leaders. Talk to them. Have a discussion with them. Read the Bible. The Bible is the greatest book ever. I promise you. The cool thing about the Bible is when you read most books, you, as the reader, are in love with the author. In the Bible, the author is absolutely in love with the reader. Okay? So, if it's in this Word of God, if it's in the, if it's in between these pages, we should do it and we should believe in it. And that's just as simple as it is. And, they, and this is in there, the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is something we should do. And if you feel like you want to talk more about it while we're here this weekend, every campus leader here can talk about it. Uh, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we can totally do that. Uh, you know, I don't sleep much anyway, so... I'm good. Uh, but, you know, just think about it. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Use wisdom on it. Talk to your campus leaders. That's what we're here for. Uh, I absolutely love you guys. What group are you? Three, three. Three. So I think you guys are supposed to prep, help with prep. So choose two people. She doesn't need everybody in there. Um, but other than that, I love you guys. And 